Uh, anyways, I'm going to pray and we're going to jump into part one here of um, the Firehouse Vision Fall 2015. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do just thank you for this morning. God, it's a blessing to come together and just have fellowship with your people and worship you and be in your presence. And Lord, I pray that as we um, look at some verses here this morning and as uh, I share some things and Greg shares some things, that you would just meet us here. That you would shepherd each one of us, uh, our hearts, our lives, and you would shepherd this church. And we just invite you to do that this morning through your Holy Spirit and by your grace and, and by your Holy Scriptures. And we look to you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of set the table on some things related to vision, uh, kind of broad strokes related to our whole church. And then Greg is going to come up and share some things, some specifics related to the Highlands location. And then, uh, as was announced, next week we're going to do part two of the vision series. And next week we're going to relocate the whole party here down to the south side of town so that we can kind of be on this journey of one church and two locations together. And so we're going to have a barbecue and we're going to have a a little service there, just a kind of informal time with worship and and some thoughts shared uh, down there and the opportunities on the south side of town. But we invite you all to join us there for that and it should be a great time. And then then we'll kind of wrap up the series on Labor Day weekend here and um, kind of some town hall styled meetings as well. We'll have some dialogue and some interaction there. But uh, anyways, that's, that's what's coming up here. But To start off on vision, um, you know, I thought it'd be good to just pull up the definition here. And if I can pull it up, I don't know, but there we go. I guess I will click at you here as we go. But here's a few, um, oh yeah, we have a handout here as well. So make sure you grab a handout. You can jot down some notes, a few good verses, and um, a little diagram as well. So, but anyways, vision, there's, you know, a couple different definitions of it. Um, one of them says that an experience of seeing someone or something in a dream or trance as, it, uh, as a supernatural uh, apparition. Sorry, stumbling over there. A couple examples, um, faculty of state of being able to see is, is another example of vision. She had defective vision. Um, that would have been true for me. I had defective vision for many, many years context and then got the LASIK finally done. Um, But synonyms, um, vision relates to eyesight, sight, observation, visual perception, and more. Um, Number two definition here, and really this is kind of the what we're going to be talking about this morning, the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. This next description here, a mental image of what the future will or could be like. It's really what we're going to be talking about, a vision of, a vision of retirement. That is not what we're going to be talking about. Um, uh, also, images on TV seen as a vision. But one of the verses here, just to start off with, is, is this one from Proverbs 29, 18. It says this about vision. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. That's the New American Standard. The King James says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And what does that mean? uh, Will the people perish? If there's no vision, will we all find ourselves perishing? Well, I think depending on how you define that. But this version here says that people are unrestrained. You know, in some ways, vision gives us... um, uh, I've heard of the analogy that vision is kind of like a lens. And you think of a, a lens like, say, a magnifying glass. 
And a magnifying glass takes the rays of the sun and they come into this lens and it causes them through that lens to be focused on, on a central focal point. And, and through that, it has great power. It can, it can take rays that are generally good and do odds and ends, but you put them together in a focused way and they have a great impact. They can start a fire like Washington and California and some of these places. Um, but, you know, we're going to talk about the, having this... Instead of unrestrained and people are just kind of going their own way as like a sun ray would do, that we're going to have a vision that will help us as a church to be focused and have a greater impact. And so we're going to talk about some of this uh, vision here. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah. You know, I love last week, if you didn't get to catch Mike Cater, he just shared some of his story and some of the work that he's doing in, in India and Nepal. And, and how many of you were just blessed by what Mike had to share last week? That was just awesome. I, I know I was moved and, and had a few tears or got some dust in my eye or something at different points in, the, in his message there. But... You know, he just talked about how back in the 70s, I was going to try to show a picture again of of how he said they bought a bus. A group of people bought a bus, and then he had a picture of people that included, well, Dennis and Thelma, and he he picked on Dennis a little bit. Dennis, I won't tell you what he said about you, but it had something to do with brown hair back then. Um, But uh, anyways, those people got on a bus, and they had a, a vision, if you will. They had a mission that they wanted to carry out, and they began to share the gospel in different places. And as a result, uh, one of those cities where they were sharing the gospel along the way is, uh, was at Ohio State. And uh, Mike shared this picture right here. And from that one church, there were over 50 churches that came out of that. And then he talked about in another location in Ames, Iowa, how um, God did an amazing work there. And from the overflow of what God was doing on that campus, 50 more churches. And um, really, that was he, he talked about that the bus trip back in the days there. And, and that was the, really the origin of Great Commission churches. Our association of churches got started back when a few people had a common mission and wanted to make an impact on this world. And, and there's, still, there's still ripple effects from that today. But, you know, in some ways, um, before we talk about where we're going to go, it's good to review where we've been, where God has brought us from. And some of you might not realize that we are an overflow of that ripple effect, if you will. The church that was in Ames, a number of you, how many of you were a part of Ames and, and the work there? I know there's a few survivors here that, uh, you know, raise your hands, come on, where's that, right back there, I know Rob was there, some of these others, um, you know, and there were different churches that went out from there, but one team went out to Fort Collins, Colorado, back originally in 1985, and then uh, John Meyer and some folks joined in 1989. And that church grew, and it began to multiply and send out other churches. Some of you know the work there. There was a church sent from there to to Greeley and to Loveland, and um, we're actually an overflow of a a team that came down from Fort Collins as well. And the Loveland church went on to send a team to plant a church out in Salt Lake City, and that's grown into four locations now, and one of the the largest churches, one church in multiple locations in, in our association. And, and then the Greeley Church has multiple locations. And they sent a team down to El Paso where there's a church. And, you know, we're, we're a part of uh, a group of people that had a vision to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and to do it just kind of one church plan at a time. And uh, so eventually we, we landed here in 2004. I love some of the different signs you see out there. I love to put one on our building that says the Firehouse Church established 2004. We've been here 
for a long time, for 11 years now, not that long. But, you know, part of the journey, some of you have been on that journey as well. And we'll just flick through this. Um, maybe we can hit one button at a time here. August, you want to do it? Some of you, oh, there we go. Some of you might remember uh, that it was the summer of 2004. We sent a college team down to Denver and took jobs and began sharing the gospel. Many people stayed at a place back then, a really awesome place called Sherman Towers. Um, no longer exists. Uh, I think it... Uh, was condemned. I'm not sure, but no, they remodeled it. Um, from there, uh, after that summer, we were exploring and seeing would God lead our church from Fort Collins to start a church down here. And after the summer, my wife and I had gotten a place to rent for three months. And, you know, it was kind of like if this wasn't going to happen, we were going to move back there. But we had moved down to this little apartment here, second floor on the corner of Commons Park West. And after that summer, uh, praying about it, talking to his pastors, we decided, you know what? Um, we think God wants us to start a church. And so we met in the corner apartment there for a while. Then we moved on. Shortly after that, one of the guys that joined us, um, he worked at this building down the street there on Little Raven. Called, uh, it's called Cactus Marketing. Um, they have sharperideas.com. It's kind of their slogan there. But anyways, we met there for a while. Anyone, anyone meet at... At uh, Cactus Marketing, back in, anyone remember that? Got some hands, raise them high. We're gonna, we're gonna, as we go on this journey, kind of raising some hands here. When God brought you to be a part of this journey that we're on here. From there, we moved um, across the street to the Metro Apartments. You've got the next slide there. Um, the Metro Apartments. Any of you remember the club room at the Metro? Yes, we got some. Survivors there. This is back when the metro was not a part of a cool community like it is now. There's a lot of places that we've been. They've gotten cooler after we've been there. So I think it says something, <laughs> something about us here. So I don't know what it says, but I think it's a good sign. Uh, so from the metro, we were there for a while. Jeff Weeman lived there. A number of different folks lived there. Brad lived there as well for a while. Then we went from there to another location. Got the next one. This is anyone recognize this building? The Tivoli. Man, they did not have the brewery operational back then. I mean, come on, guys. Um, uh, but the, we met on the sixth floor, had a great view of the downtown. How many of you remember meeting at the Tivoli? How many of you maybe joined us first times over there? No, a few? Okay, well, that, that was a good time there. We had to ride the elevator up to the sixth floor every time you went to church. Elevator got stuck on us before. That was fun. Fire department came, rescued my kids. I remember that. Um, but... Uh, Tivoli. And after the Tivoli, God led us to another location. Anyone recognize this? Yes, the Ashbury, Asbury uh, Church that's just down the corner here. So the sanctuary meets there now. But God gave us an opportunity to meet on the kind of garden level there. And we met there for a while. Uh, it was a great location. But then um, through the course of things, they kind of had a bigger church wanted to take over and pay more. And so they asked us to kind of scoot along simultaneously. God opened the door for this opportunity here. But in the meantime, we went to a couple other locations. The Ramada. Can you be... Uh, amen. Can we get an eight? Elsie, you made it to the Ramada? Yeah. Remember those days. We, some of you might have heard. You've heard this before. If you're new with us, I get to tell you for the first time. But our, our slogan at the Ramada was... You know, as, as far as God's provision and stuff goes, was we, we lacked a nada at the Ramada. So, um, good times there. Uh, but they are better here. Um, after the motto, we went to the Regency. How many of you ever made it to the Regency basement, uh, bowling alley? That was a great setup there, free arcade and stuff like that. Um, but so from there, we moved to another really cool building. 
This building here, doesn't that look awesome? That's the... That's how we found it, and it was not awesome. And so, um, but since then, uh, since then, God's done some things. How about the next slide here? This is what you'll find if you Google us right now—a picture of what it looks like and some descriptions. But you know, that's been the journey along the way. And, and we landed in this place. We started renovation. Actually, I think this October was when we had a groundbreaking ceremony. Greg, does that sound about right? Groundbreaking. We had a shovel. We still have the golden shovel, and we began construction. This October would be five years ago. And, and since then, God's done a lot of things. But over the course of the last five years, God has still had us on a journey, even though we had one central location. Um, let's see, one of the things that happened shortly after we, we moved in here, we ended up sending a team of probably a half dozen of our, our core leaders out to uh, Manhattan, Kansas. And they started a, a campus church there at uh, Kansas State. And so a team went out, and then not too long after that, we um, had the opportunity to have a church join us, Valley View Community Church began joining us there. How many of you were formerly from Valley View Community Church? Get some hands up there, all right, welcome, there we go. Um, then over the course of another year or two, we had... Um, we sent out another team, and at about the same time, we had Prairie View Community Church from the south side of town join us. How many of you were a part of Prairie View Church before being here? All right, so those hands, there we go, nice. And then we sent a team out to um, Oklahoma State. That team was almost a dozen people. Four of them were kids, but eight of them were leaders here before that. And so we had a hand. And, and how many of you um, are a part of that team or have been a part of that team? No, I'm just joking. You would be out in uh, Oklahoma State's campus this morning if you were on that team. So, but anyways, those are... And then, you know, um, over the years, uh, as we've been here, we've had a number of visitors. And how many of you, this is the first location that you've ever been a part of the Firehouse Church? How about a show of hands of this? Nice. Good group of people there. Yes, yes. Scott is still one of the closest neighbors we have here. He's just down the street, walks here, rough commute. Um, but uh, anyways, you know, and so then also just to let you know, this is kind of in some ways as we set the table for sharing some details, some things that uh, we feel like God's leading us into. Greg is going to share some more specifics. But, you know, along the way, sometimes people ask, well, how many pastors do you guys have anyways? You know, um, there's like three or five or seven or I don't even know how many you have. Along the way, we've kind of sent out pastors and received pastors and things like that. And so just to give you a quick kind of, this is like the pastor's social from the stage here and we don't have pizza. But, um, you know, if you don't know, the two pastors that are full-time currently are, are myself and Greg Miller. Greg's been full-time for uh, probably going on two years, and though uh, this year would be the first year, of, uh, coming on the first year, was it October or September uh, of Greg's first year of pastoring here? So we're both full-time. Brad has been a pastor here for a number of years, and Brad is bivocational, which means he has a full-time job outside of here. He works in the computer world and downtown at the for the judicial, Colorado State judicial thing. He's keeping an eye on them. Um, but then we also had, had uh, Tim Cavanaugh joined us when Valley View Church joined us. Is Tim here this morning? And Tim and, and Dennis also is here with us this morning. Dennis, why don't you raise your hand, wave hi. Um, Tim and Dennis have a kind of a, a new role that um, we've uh, transitioned to here recently. But Tim and Dennis have been pastoring for a number of years. I think we joke between the two of them, they've been a pastor, pastoring for over 100 years. Um, Tim likes to say 90 of that was Dennis's world. And, uh, but, you know, we... Uh, 
they have been serving for a number of years and have a lot of wisdom and a lot of experience. You know, Tim, I think you, you might never, he might never tell you, but he has either a master's or a PhD. Does someone know? A PhD in family counseling, and, and he's a part of our church, and you might, he'd never tell you that, I don't think. Is it PhD, master's, PhD? Yeah, so next time you see him, call him Dr. Cavanaugh, please. Um, that would be a lot more respectful. You know, I think about Dennis and Thelma and their years of service, and you know, all I have to say about Dennis and Thelma is they were on the bus, guys. I mean, talk about pretty amazing. They've been following the Lord for between the two of them. I would say it's probably over 100 years, and we won't get into details there, but that is awesome. And they've been married for many, many years and love the Lord and have taught the Christian life to many, many people over the years. And we're blessed to have them as a part of our church here. But Tim and Dennis are in a role called Pastor Emeritus, where they have the character and qualifications related to being a pastor and an elder, and yet they don't have the full responsibility um, of, of being an elder like Greg and myself and Brad do. And we meet together close to weekly just for things related to shepherding the church, and we try to involve Tim and Dennis in teaching and counsel as much as we can here. But that is, uh, that's your pastoral team is where we are. This is where God has brought us. And, and we're blessed to be here. And, and now we're, you know, we're looking ahead at a few things God uh, has for us. In some ways, it's good to know our past because it, it gives us a little bit of a, a trajectory of where God might want to take us. And so I'm going to talk just a little about that. We'll get Greg up here. Um, so here's a question for you. How many of you know what the vision statement of the Firehouse Church is? And, and I'll just let you know up front, there's, there's a lot of options to choose from if you've been around for a while. Any, any ideas? Why don't you blurt out some of the ideas of the vision statement of the Firehouse Church? What's that? To know God and make Him known. That's a good one. We've probably had that somewhere along the way. I know the Navigators had that as well. Um, other vision statements you might have heard around here or think you might have heard? Love, rescue, transform. That, that is, it's on our building there. And that's, uh, I don't know if that is from a statement condensed down into a slogan. Love, rescue, transform. Some different uh, vernacular there. Um, other, other phrases you might have heard around the firehouse before. Reach the world with Jesus starting here. That, that, is, that is a good answer too. Um, and there was one before. We, at one point we had, I think, uh, to bring great glory to God by obeying the great commandment and the great commission. And all of those are good. But uh, I think if we were to write down every one of you on a piece of paper what the vision statement is, we would have a variety of answers. A variety of good answers, but a variety nonetheless. So that idea of having a lens, a vision that gives us focus. This is really what we're talking about. And... And the, the vision statement we've landed on and tried to promote for the last few years is, is to reach the world with Jesus, starting here. And I'm going to share with you some verses on why that is and, and how we try to live that out and even how we're going to try to live that out this fall. To reach the world with Jesus, starting here. You know, why we chose that is not just arbitrary. It's not just um, some, you know, it's better to have a vision statement than not. It really is an overflow of the final set of commands Jesus gave his disciples before ascending to heaven. Uh, verses, let there, these are on your handouts here. Mark 16.15. We're going to look at these verses here. Um, but our... Our aim is to reach the world with Jesus starting here. And that's a really big, broad thing. And so we have a few specifics that I'm going to share with you just on, on how we're trying to do that as a church. And, and then we'll talk about some of those specifics this fall and some of those in the Highland neighborhood here even more specifically. So um, 
So the how, kind of the why and the how of this vision statement, um, we'll look at next here. We got how and then uh, you fast forward the next how and why. So you know, here's a few hows that really help us understand to reach the world with Jesus. With Jesus, you know, one of the, one of the, it's multifaceted, and one of the facets of reaching the world with Jesus really means by sharing, by proactively sharing the good news about Jesus. We're going to reach the world with Jesus by taking the good news about him to the ends of the earth, starting right here. Um, we might do a series again. We've done it in the past. Is what's so good about the good news? And just realizing that when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, he gives you a new record. He gives you forgiveness and righteousness as compared to guilty and, and unrighteous. He gives you, he makes you and I a new person. You know, Jesus called that being born again. Uh, theological word is regeneration. When you come to faith in Jesus, you're born again. You're regenerated into a new being. Love the verse, um, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You get a new life, a life that's centered around following Jesus, a life of healthy relationships, a life of a new purpose, which is Jesus' purpose, um, a life that is, that is full. And you also, just through believing in, in Jesus, there you get a new destiny, a destiny with no more pain, no more mourning, no more death, no more suffering, an existence which God had originally created us for. And when you come to believe in Jesus Christ, this is all part of the good news. This is all offered as a free gift. Just receiving what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. And all of these come with that. And that's amazing. And our job is to take that good news to everyone everywhere. And so that's part of how we're going to reach the world with Jesus starting here. Another part is through multiplying disciples of Jesus. There's the good news about him. But he wants us to reach the world through multiplying disciples. And just to... We'll show you this multiplication chart here. This is something that I've got a computer science degree and a math minor. But some of these things about math and multiplication excite me. Uh, I like them. They stir my heart. Uh, this is just a, a very simple chart of what happens when you take a, a disciple of Jesus. And over the course of the year, they reach someone with the good news. And they help someone begin to become a disciple of Jesus. And then uh, eventually they become a disciple maker because they've been used by God to make a disciple. And, and the next year, there's two of them. And the next year, both of them do that. And there's four of them. And you keep doubling this after 19 years. You know, it looks kind of small. There's only 262,000. But next slide. It goes on. And this just continues to multiply. But as you look around year 34, 35, 36, it gets up to 35 years of just doubling from one person. Gets to be over 17 billion people. Um, the following year after that is over 34 billion disciples. And you know, that's in a perfect mathematical world. We know that we don't live in that. But the idea here is Jesus said, hey, I want you to make disciples. And I want you to teach someone else how to do that. And as you teach them, I want you to make disciples. And I want you to teach someone else. And through that, I believe God put wisdom that we could actually reach the world. That it's not just some nebulous pie in the sky goal, but that it could actually happen. And we want to be a church that is multiplying disciples. And that's one of the things we think God has for us to grow in this fall. Next slide, please. So, you know, the last part of, of reaching the world with Jesus is by going with the spirit of Jesus. By actually going with the presence and the power of Jesus Christ as we try to carry out this mission. So um, let's look at this next one here. A couple of the specifics for this fall at the Firehouse Church. 
Let's see. Can you click on ahead? Oh, here we go. As far as, you know, vision, sometimes I, I translate it in my own brain to, uh, to goals and game plans. You know, if you're like the uh, NFL football team, you, you kind of set your, your goals and your game plan for getting there. Most people set the goal of winning the Super Bowl. Unless you're the Broncos, you try to just get to the playoffs and, and win every 20 years or so. Um, but, no, um, you know, the goal is to, to win the Super Bowl. And, and most teams have a game plan for how they want to get there. And, you know, as a church, we, we have some goals that we feel like God has put on our heart to aim for this fall. And some ideas on how to get there. But one of them is to help motivate and equip disciples of Jesus to become disciple makers with Jesus. And we've got this diagram here, and there's one on your handout to look at. Uh, Let's see if we pull that up here real quickly. And so really, um, as we aim to reach the world with Jesus, you know, a lot of ways, we all start off here at the beginning as either, we all start off as unbelievers, as as lost, um, or unchurched, or whatever it is, and, and then we, God meets us there. And then our goal as a church is to meet people there. And then to help them to, to become a believer, to go from unbeliever to believer. We've got this amazing multi uh, technology extravaganza here. Watch this guy go around this process. This is really what we want to have as a church, a process like this. And help someone go from not believing to believing in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Trusting Him, trusting him as their Savior. And like Mike Cater said, by grace alone, through faith alone. It's the pure gospel. From there, we'd like to help someone to become not only a believer, but a follower, a disciple of Jesus. Jesus said in John eight thirty one, he said, you know, uh, if you continue in my word, you're truly disciples of mine. There's something about, he said this to a group of believers, but there's something about obeying his word and following him that transitions Jesus' description from a believer into a true disciple. And we want to help people become disciples of Jesus and help them get habits that disciples have. So on your handout there, we talk about, you know, first you know, step of being a disciple of Jesus is to get baptized, to go public about your faith. And then grow in habits of a disciple, which include a daily um, devotional time of reading God's word and, and learning about God and obeying him, regular fellowship, committed to serving, a commitment to prayer, and a commitment to biblical giving and tithing. And so those are all things that relate to being a disciple. And then from there, next, next phase is as a disciple maker with Jesus. And again, on your handout, a couple of things that I see specifically about that is um, it relates to being committed to the mission of Jesus. Committed to living for what Jesus died for. And a couple specific facets of that are having a personal ownership of the mission Jesus gave. Your church may have an ownership of that mission. Your parents may have an ownership of that mission. The real question is, do you have an ownership of the mission Jesus gave his disciples? Personal ownership. Do you have a commitment in that ownership to to get equipped to share your faith? To get trained to overcome fears and bring the good news to other people? Have you ever made a commitment by God's grace to reach one person for Jesus and with Jesus? You know, one of the, the sayings that I was brought up on in our church back in Fort Collins, same idea about reaching the world with Jesus. And they had a kind of an after slogan to that was, one life at a time and one world in our lifetime. But the goal is to become a disciple maker. And you keep going on this chart here, August, if you don't mind. And, and the next time you make it around that whole process yourself as a disciple of Jesus, and the next thing you do is you get up to bat for someone else. And then you help them 
become a believer in Jesus Christ. And likely, if you help them become a believer, they would, like, they would likely ask you to baptize them as you teach them the way of life that it is to follow Jesus. And then from there, you're going to be used by God to help them become a disciple maker. And it, and it keeps going around here. And then, once you make it around that process again, things multiply. And I think God's design for the Christian life is to go around these bases in your own life. And then to go around them and helping others. And you grow in a depth of your relationship with God and expressing all the basics that you know of loving people and obeying God's word. But you grow in depth as you take what you know, exercise that and pass it on to someone else. And, and what I've observed as a church, and what we've talked about a little bit as pastors, it seems like in our church, we, we have, a, I would say, the core of this church might describe themselves as a disciple of Jesus. And have some of those habits on and off, practice tithing, on and off, practice serving. Um, but in general, the core of this church, I would say, might describe themselves as a disciple of Jesus. And what we think God wants us to do, especially even starting this fall, is to help people move from a disciple of Jesus into a disciple maker. One who helps others come to faith in Christ, become a disciple, become eventually a disciple maker. And I think in many ways uh, that's where growth is designed to happen. And yet in many ways that's been a real challenge. It's been real slow going as a church, and we really think God wants to help us in that. And some of what we have coming up this fall relates exactly to that challenge. And I'd like to ask you, as you look at this chart of unbeliever and believer in Jesus, disciple of Jesus, disciple maker with Jesus, and as you look at some of the milestones related to that, what would you describe yourself as? Are you a believer yet? If not, we'd be glad to help you and share the good news with you and, and how you might believe. I know for me, when I first started coming to church, I really wanted to be a believer. I just didn't know how. I didn't really understand my need. And eventually, God helped me to understand what it meant to believe in Jesus as my Savior. And then people helped me become a disciple and, and walk through it. But where are you at? I encourage you, look at that chart circle where you're at right now. Maybe check some of the boxes. Are you a regular giver? Do you have the habit of tithing? Are you in the habit of reading your Bible daily or praying daily? Where are you at? And the next question would be, where do you think God wants to take you this fall? Because I believe God wants to help each one of us become not only believers and disciples, but disciple makers on mission with Jesus to get up to bat for someone else. We've been blessed to have so many visitors walk in these doors. And you know what we need more than anything? Not more full-time pastors who can follow up with them, but more disciples who go, I have a desire to reach one. And someone walks through the door, they're mine. And we start fighting for them or something. I don't know, but in a, in a Christ-like way. Um, but, um, but we want to have a whole church full of people that feel personal ownership of the call to reach one. Not from back when you were in college and you could say you did it there. Not from before you were married or whenever you look back at the glory days. We want that to be the days of the Firehouse Church starting today. And we think that's what God would have for us too. And so, anyways, um, we'll skip to the next one here. We want to motivate and equip disciples this fall. The next one, we want to help them. Um, we're going to use the Inspire class. Our leadership group um, over the years has just been called Leadership Training, uh, Leadership Development. This year we have, a, or this fall, we're going to start a new uh, leadership community that's, that's going to be called just the Inspire class. We've been dialoguing with John Meyer and some of the guys from the region, but he really would love to help us in our leadership world to help inspire people, to, to cultivate that desire 
to reach someone, to be a fisher of the souls of men. And so we're going to invite people. You know, our leadership group has you know, usually been for small group leaders or ministry leaders. But we're going to open that door up to a wider bunch of people, to anyone who would want to be there. Anyone who's willing to expose themselves to the truth that might inspire them and increase that desire to be a disciple maker with Jesus. And that class will, uh, I think, gen- tentatively we're aiming for the first Tuesday of every month. And um, starting in September here. So we'd love to invite you all to that or at least pray about that. Another thing we're going to be doing here is, as Greg mentioned the announcement, discipleship groups. Starting Wednesday nights, we're going to have groups that are specifically designed and aiming to help us become disciple makers with Jesus. And, and helping equip people to share their faith and helping people to overcome barriers, fears, or challenges of, of doing that as well. And we're going to do that together um, starting this Wednesday night. One group will meet right here. One group's meeting down south at the Mahalis house. Down south, we might change locations, you know, where we're going to be meeting. We're going to start off at the Mahalis there. And we're going to work through, we're going to use some of the material from the outreach class. We're going to use that, maybe retool that a little electronically to, um, you know, kind of help equip us with some of the modern things of technology as well. But anyways, um, we're going to help strengthen the foundation of our church. Again, I think with understanding our purpose will give us a chance to have greater unity. But then we're also going to need to strengthen our resources financially as a church to carry out some of the plans God has for us. We're going to do that through this vision series. We're going to do that through a stewardship campaign coming up in September. I'm going to click on that next one there. Um, And then the last thing is um, we really want to aim to I think we have here a couple words to to launch, to send, to unleash teams of disciples to go out and do what we're talking about here. Um, Part of that unleashing and launching is going to be the second location. The Lord willing, we plan on starting a second location of the Firehouse Church starting Sunday, October 4th. We'll have the Highlands location and we'll have a Southside location uh, in an effort to do what we're talking about here to help... uh, Unbelievers become believers and disciples and disciple makers in, in two locations. We're also going to, after we do a season of discipleship groups, the goal is going to be to unleash people to, to go out and use some of their, their passions, their skills, their talents to take the gospel into worlds where we're not effectively reaching them. And, and some of them will use things like the Dave Ramsey FPU material to, to do that and yet get a little more deliberate with the gospel and opportunities there. We're going to continue to use Celebrate Recovery. We're going to do other things that are there, but really in a lot of ways we're going to do whatever stirs your heart to go in and team up with others to get the gospel out. We want to help support you and do that. We want to unleash you and do that. I love this quote here from G.K. Chesterton when he says, um, And the more I considered Christianity, the more I found that while it had established a rule and order, the chief aim of that order was to give room for good things to run wild. You know, guys, that's how we feel about the vision of the Firehouse Church. We want to get the gospel out as many ways as possible. We want to multiply disciples. We want to go with the Spirit of Jesus. And yet, within that, there's a lot of room for good things to run wild. And we ask you to pray about it. What would God have you do? Who would He have you team up with to get the gospel out? To begin making disciples, maybe in a way you haven't seen in a while. Maybe in a way you you never experienced ever. Um, We're going to seek God for this, and we're excited to see what he's going to do here. And so I'm going to welcome up Greg here. Why don't you guys welcome Greg up here, and he's going to share some more specifics about the Highlands.
You got me? Am I on? All right. So, everybody wants to know what happened to my hand. Right? Maybe everybody doesn't want to know. I'm going to give you the 60-second update so that you can... Those of you... There's two kinds of people, right? There's the people who hear about injury and squirm in their seat. That's me. There's people who hear about injury and go, Oh, that's cool. So now you get the update, right? So Monday morning was my... Monday was my birthday. It was also my three-year-old son's birthday. And we had a little party for him at Chick-fil-A. And so I left the house, and I did not know I was going to spend, not come home for 48 hours and be at the hospital for most of that time. We left. We went to Chick-fil-A. During the course of the party, um, one of the children threw a stuffed Chick-fil-A cow on top of the play place. And I was the good dad who had the crying son who wanted the stuffed animal back. So I went in there and jumped up to knock it off. And as I was coming down, my ring, my wedding ring, caught on a rivet on the play place. Severed an artery, pulled back a bunch of skin. It was really horrific. Lost my wedding ring. Anyway, um, I had to have emergency surgery Monday night. I really appreciate all of you who prayed for me. I'm feeling a lot better. My hand doesn't really hurt. I just have this annoying kind of claw thing <laughs> on here right now. Someone, Leo said I should put some eyes on here and be like, hello. <laughs> so, anyway, thank you all for helping and helping us out and. Um, praying for us. I appreciate it. But anyway, I'm going to just kind of quickly go through here. Uh, I've got five goals. We got sort of the first one there, goals. And that's really, I think they might apply sort of in both locations, but my heart really and my my work, my vision is going to be really on what we're doing right here in this location. Um, And so here's five goals for you. You might want to jot these down. The first one is that our saints, which is you, each one of you, will ultimately be individually faith-filled casting personal gospel nets into spheres of influence. What I mean by that is each person moving from faithfully serving to faith-filled ministering. What do you mean? Well, I am so thankful for everybody who comes and serves, right? Rich and I don't make this happen on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights. Everybody pitches in. I'm so thankful everybody's serving. But I think sometimes we can lose sight of what we're really aiming for because we're just being faithful and serving. And we really want you to be faith-filled. Um, a, a pastor friend of ours gave me this example. He said, sometimes as pastors, we can think, oh, what i got to do with church is i got to make this sort of elaborate Rube Goldberg machine that's got all these sort of cranks and levers. And I go, hey, hey, come over here. You, faithful, faithfully, come over here and start cranking. And start cranking this thing. And you over here, come over and start moving this lever. And so we get all these people, and they're going, they're moving these levers, and no one ever stops to say, well, do you know how to build a machine? What is the purpose of this machine? You know, we talk about we're trying to reach the world with Jesus. Is this machine, is this, I'm over here cranking this lever, I'm doing it week after week. Am I reaching, are we reaching anybody with it? And we sometimes we forget that. And so my heart is that we would, we really not be trying to crank lever, crank, crank the cranks and, and move the levers, but instead we would all be really trying to just cast our nets there into where we're already having influence in people's lives, right? That's kind of what I'm thinking. So that's the first goal that will become faith-filled. The second one is that, I say it this way, our corporate relational and attractional outreach will grow as we focus on personal missional outreach, so life on life. What do I mean? Simply put, Sunday visitors finding many ways to plug into the church beyond Sunday. See, I think we could just, like, okay, we're going to have this, this big elaborate machine, and it's going to be our Sunday morning service, and but the reality is we just can't compete, 
right? There's so many other great churches out there that have way more resources and way more people and way more other things, and they're doing these great shows. And so if you want to come here on a Sunday morning and have a show like a movie theater, this is not going to be the place. And frankly, Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and and make great shows for people to watch. He said, reach the world. That's what he asked us to do, was to get the good news out there. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. The Great Commission is just not a stage production. Now, we'll, we'll do the best we can. See, I think as we do this, as we have a personal outreach, as each of us is reaching into our own spheres, we're going to see relationships flourish with other people. And as we see relationships flourish, I think as a result of that, we'll see our Sunday services really bloom. They're really going to come, just be an outgrowth of people getting connected with each other. So that's the second goal. The third goal is really for us as pastors, sort of sharing this with you, that I hope that we as pastors will be useful as resources, as coaches, as shepherds, um, that we'd be counselors. And, you know, I know Tim is highly qualified, but you know, that's what God's called us all to do is to counsel and provide that. But just to help each person be an effective minister of a gospel, right? I think Rich sort of referred to this. We want to guide folks as they minister in their spheres. We want to be useful to you, helping you where you have your passions, where you have your relationships, where your interests are. We want to help you in those things. Less of like building this machine and having saying, come over here and crank this, right? I really, my hope is that there'll be less of you faithfully coming to me and saying, Greg, tell me what to do. And that's great to ask that. But I would rather you come to me and say, hey, Greg, can you help me fulfill the Great Commission in my life? That's how I want to help you. That's how Rich wants to help you. That's how Brad wants to help you. That's how we want to do this, right? Fourth goal I have is that is for our building, right? Rich, I thought it was great. I love going through that and seeing all those places we've been. I never get tired of it. So I'm kind of a building guy. But my, my goal here is that this building will be a well-used tool for kingdom work. And that's what we've always wanted it to be. The firehouse has never been a building and we really want this building to be useful, not only for outreach events, but for increasing church revenue. That would be really helpful to us. Now, how many of you have been around this neighborhood on a Friday night and walked around? It's crazy, right? There's so many people here. There's so much going on. This is a vibrant neighborhood. And I'm convinced a vibrant neighborhood needs a vibrant church. Amen? And God has given us this gift, right? Like, uh, we won't go through the story today. You know that it's just been this great path that God brought us here. If you want to see the before and after pictures, they're in the office. And um, just really God's blessing that we'd be here. And I think that this building is a great gift, and I really believe we're underutilizing it. And I really would love to see us use it more and more and be vibrant. Sometimes just having the lights on, having something happening here is just great. I would like to see this building used every night, every day. I would read, I'd love to have the problem of, oh man, we're spending a lot of money on lights and air conditioning in here. I'd love to have that problem. Because then I think we would really be using it to get out there and do kingdom work. So then the, the fifth, my final goal that I have for us in this location <clears throat> is that our finances will stabilize and increase such that resources can be used for faith-filled kingdom work. And that's the idea of resources to develop event funds, mission funds, mercy funds, etc. Now, a lot of you probably heard about those televangelists, right? Like the one who said, I need $60 million for an airplane. Right? That is not what we want to do here. Right? As we talk about, wow, we need resources. We think about things of, well, how can we, how can we reach into this community? 
Some of you have been around for a while. You know we've, we've done an event called the Firehouse 5K. And we, we have this event and we get local businesses involved and we try to raise money so we can give it to North High or somebody else in the neighborhood. And we've done that for a few years. And many of you have asked for the last couple years, are we going to do it again? Are we going to do it again? And the real answer has been it, it takes resources to do that. We have to be able to pay for it up front. And we don't have the resources to even do that. And I know many of you, as you sort of think about your spheres and your influence and the places where you have passions, and you go, man, it'd be great to have some resources in the church to bring our resources to bear on that. And the reality is, we don't have those resources. And so some of that is tithing and some of that is fundraising. And as Rich said, we're going we're to talk about that more specifically here um, starting in September for a few weeks about where we're trying to aim and what we need and resources. But this is at least to let you think, hey, this is kind of what we're hoping for. This is one of our goals um, here in the Highlands. So I don't know. Did you want to come back up and share anything? You want me to just sort of wrap it up? So I think you all know you, you got a picture. This is your first time here. I'm, again, I'm glad you're here. Um, now you know what the Firehouse Church is about, and so you can't walk away wondering what we're after, what we're aiming for. Um, I hope you'll join us. And the rest of you who, who normally come, now you have a real clear picture of what we're really aiming for here in the next four to six months. And I would encourage you to come back on Wednesday night at the south side location at Drew's house or right here. Um, we're going to talk more specifically detailed about these discipleship groups and what we're aiming for and then what the next step will be and what our hopes are and how everyone can fit into that. So um, I'll just pray and then let you go on to your Sunday. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, um, you sent your son Jesus Christ. Oh, that is the most important message. The most important event in history we can get right with you. We can have a right relationship with you through your son Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. I just confess as I, as I go around the neighborhood on a Friday night and I feel like, man, Lord, there's so many people who are here who just feel like they don't need anything else. They've got everything they want. And yet, God, I know there's so many who don't know you and don't have that security and lie awake in bed at night wondering, What's going to happen if I die tomorrow? And yet, God, you've given us the answer right here. You've given us as Christians the answer, God, and we want to share that. We see that you've given us that command. You've given us that opportunity. You've brought us together in this place and this time to do it. Lord, we want to be faithful to that. We want to be faithful disciples who become disciple makers. We're reaching into the worlds that you've placed us into. Lord, help us in that, Lord. These are goals. God, these are things that are on, on my heart, on our hearts, that we, we want to see accomplished. God, we know it's really up to you and, and your moving and your work here. God, I pray that you would be moving in the lives of people right here in this church and take us forward. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.